Thank you for joining us here on Nerds from the Crypt, the podcast that reviews your favorite movies, series, and comics, as well as interviewing indie creators about their upcoming projects. And um, it's been a while since uh, we've we recorded. It's been a couple of weeks here. Um, how are you doing today, Greg? I'm doing all right. Like you said, it's been a few weeks, so I uh, scratched my head. How do we do this? <laughs> we we do have we still have uh, like two episodes in the pipeline that I don't need to get out. Uh, just been really really busy uh, end of end of May with work and with school um, and uh, just so a lot busy. of things. <laughs> oh my gosh, you and me both, man. <laughs> and uh, well, let's just jump into today's episode. Uh, today we're going to be interviewing Mark McLaughlin. Uh, I didn't say your last name correct, right, Mark? Oh yeah, McLaughlin. McLaughlin, yes. McLaughlin. Okay, just making sure. And how are you doing today, Mark? Well, I'm c- currently the windows have burst open and tentacles are trying to drag me out. Okay. To, to a <laughs> to into the void, you know, the transdimensional void. But I'll hang on for a while, you know. I mean, they're pretty weak tentacles, so I can, I'm a pretty big guy. You know, you know? Yeah, so I, I think I, I think I'll be okay. I, I'll just. Kind of hang on and chop at him with a hatchet while I'm talking to you guys. You've written so many projects that you've w- awoken Cthulhu's minions. Oh, he's done it. Yeah. <laughs> I burst through the, wouldn't you know what? I burst through the transdimensional gateway like three minutes before the podcast. So, <laughs> so I'm oh, chopped. Yeah. Well, fortunately, the tentacles are kind of made out of ectoplasm, so they're really easy to chop up. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. Yeah. See, they don't. Maybe just it, enough for the podcast. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'll probably, um, my collaborator, Michael Sheehan Jr., who is in the house right now. And <laughs> I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably have him push some of the tentacles off to the side. So <laughs> they don't inter- interfere too much. So, Mark, one thing that I'd like to ask our, our guest here is your your background. How did you how did you grow up? Uh, did you grow up around like uh, watching horror, um, reading horror or or what did you um, what led you to do what you're doing right now? Well, let's see. I grew up in um, much like a Lovecraftian protagonist. I grew up in rural seclusion. I really did. I grew up in a big farm, very far from anything. And um, so basically, you know, the, the, you know, I mean, the biggest entertainment was occasionally turning on the TV and like Doctor Who might be on in the afternoon on PBS. That's how long ago it was. It was the vintage Doctor Who was on PBS in the afternoons. That's how. That's how long ago it was. Late eighteen hundreds, awesome. you know. Oh and, man! And so, uh, <laughs> and and but see, I used to have a gra- Greek grandmother because the mother side of the family is Greek. Um, obviously, the other side is the McLaughlins. They're not Greek. <laughs> <laughs> McLaughlinopolis, you know, and that's so. Awesome. <laughs> but the mother's side was Greek. And my Greek grandmother always used to tell me tales of Greek mythology when we'd visit her in the city, because there was a city, which I live in now, that she used to live in, and she's passed away since then. And we'd visit her in the city, and I'd stay with her on the afternoons, and she'd tell me stories of Greek mythology. And that's how I kind of got into writing, is because she'd be telling me some stories of Greek mythology, and then she'd get tired, and I'd ask her a question about... Um, some aspect of Greek mythology, and she says, I don't know, what do you think? And then she'd say, finish the story. You tell me the story. What do you think, you know, Zeus or Perseus or Hercules or whoever, what do you think they did? What do you think they did? Uh. And then I'd finish up the story, and 
And see, and then I'd start thinking about things like that. And then when I'd go home, I'd start thinking about TV shows I'd like, and then I'd and movies I liked, and and just continue the story in my mind. And then I realized, you know what? I could just write stories, and if I'm going to be thinking of all these stories, I might as well write them down. And boing, that's <laughs> the writer was born. I, my grandma put the concept of creating story arcs in my head, and once. And, and see, oh, and also, and here's another little thing that kind of segued into it, is that my my folks would never have won a prize for being, you know, parents of the year, because <laughs> because what they used to do when they when they would go into the city, and this is my grandma, um, when they wanted to go shopping after the visit, they just drop me off the library and then come get me hours later when they're done <laughs> shopping. Back then, people could do that. Today, you could not do that. That would be completely right. forbidden. And actually, they should not have been doing it back then either. But <laughs> they did. And so, and so then I and that particular library had a whole shelf of like old Arkham House books. Oh, cool! And of course, the Necronomicon, you know, oh. <laughs> and the Book of Ebon and all those others, you know. And so, and it was actually pretty funny. The librarian was kind of getting used to me, and she'd be like. I, I'm not seeing who your parents are here in the building. Which ones are they? I'd say, oh, they're not here. They just left me here. And she'd be like, you've been here three hours. Well, they'll get me eventually. <laughs> I'm sure they'll come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my mom, she was always, she was kind of a formidable person, my mom. If she didn't like something, she'd just argue the other person into the ground. And so <laughs> I never get the day that the librarian went up to her and said, you're really not supposed to just leave your children here. We're not a babysitting service. And she said, my taxes pay for this library. And I don't see, <laughs> if, I don't, if it serves my purposes, I don't see what's wrong with that. Blah, 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 blah. And, so, oh. and so the librarian was like, okay, it's fine. I'll keep an eye on him. <laughs> as long as he's not doing anything that's going to cause any damage. No, I would just sit there for just hours on end and read all those old, um, Arkham House anthologies, and see, and so when you think of the fact that my grandma got me into the idea of always creating stories in my mind, mm -hmm. and then I started reading all those Lovecraft books. Well, then uh -oh. I started. I've been thinking about Lovecraftian stuff um, since I was a young child, which would be oh, I, uh, uh, fifteen years ago, I think. At <laughs> 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 times. Four or five, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but I've been thinking about it a long time. So that's why I've written so many Lovecraftian stories. Long story short. That makes sense. So, yeah, it, I mean, we were looking at all the, the titles that appeared when we, we found you on Amazon and on, on Kindle. And uh, there's a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been at it for a while. Yeah. How many, uh, how many do, uh, do you have an account of how many books you've written or anthologies? Well, I mean, if you count, if you um, count every place that's ever published, and see, I can remember in my day career, I'm in public relations and marketing, mm -hmm. and I've written a lot of articles for clients. So I once added up, um, and if you added up every place, every magazine, every website, every anthology that's either printed my fiction or nonfiction, mm -hmm. it'd be over a thousand. I wow. mean, I've just. Uh, despite the fact that I've only been writing for just a few years, <laughs> <laughs> just a smidge, just a, yeah, just a real dilettante here, really. Just 
(laughs) dabbling in it, you know, for, you know. But no, I've been at it for quite a while. And let's see. But of fiction, books of fiction, I'm over 40 books right now. That's awesome. Yeah. And and I enjoy it because I enjoy it so much. You know, I mean, there is a quite a great joy in just losing yourself in in just writing some adventure mm-hmm. and putting it to paper. In fact, this weekend I'll be releasing another Kindle book, just a, a novelette on the Kindle this weekend. So people can keep an eye on that. The novelette will be coming out on Kindle probably tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yes. What is that tomorrow? Gonna be tomorrow, yes. Uh, what, what is that called so that people can can look for it? The, nah, I don't. I I'm kind of jinxy oh. that way. I don't believe oh. in like telling the tale of something until it is out. You know, because oh, you know oh, what okay. happened. Then somebody else will grab that title and put another book out there with that right exact title, you. ten minutes before me, and they say, ah, "I did it first. Oh. Uh, you know, well, like, what we'll do is that, uh, and, like for example, that- let's say like I did a told you why the title is going to be. The, the man-eating plant from Yagoth. You know, that's not it, obviously. Although that's not oh, a bad title. That is a good one. <laughs> right. And so so then some young go-getter out there, what? I love that title. I'm going to put one out there really quick. And then they'll, 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 not, then they'll beat me to the punch. So, Well, this uh, this podcast will be, or this episode will be um, out at, um, afterwards. So what I'll do is I'll get the link afterwards and I'll put it in the description. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, t- I tell you, when I when I get it out there, then I'll email you the title and the link. There you go. There you go. And, yeah, I'll do that. And so, because I got your email address, so um, so I'll do that. So, of all the books, of the forty books that you've written, uh, which one is your which did you have the most fun uh, writing or or creating? Well, I suppose it'd be the one I the. I've written many Kindle books with Michael Sheehan Jr. And I recently put out two paperback. But everybody was saying, everybody, every, everybody, literally everybody, everybody on the population of the earth was saying to me, all those Kindle books, why don't you put those stories into a, in a couple of paperbacks? Because some of, sometimes a person likes to read a paperback instead of Kindle true. all the time. True, true. You know, like, for example, I think a lot of people like to read my books in the bathtub and you, you can't read <laughs> Kindle in the bathtub. I'm pretty sure most of them read them in the bathtub. And, uh, I mean, doesn't everybody really? Yeah. And uh, you know, some do you read in the bathtub? Or in the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> or on the toilet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's usually water involved, and it's in a room that you could take a bath in. Here. Yeah, and so you don't want to bring the Kindle in there necessarily, you know. And so so for expressly for those readers who like to read Lovecraftian stories while they're on the toilet I <laughs> or, in, <laughs> or in the tub. I created two two different books, which are currently out there and selling quite well. One is called Horrors and Abominations. Hmm. And the other one is called The House of the Ocelot, which concerns more of Lovecraft's dream stories where Ulthar is. It concerns Ulthar quite a lot. The city of the, of the where it is it is against the law to kill a cat. Um Greg, real quick, this, that's the city where um, that Mescatonic High went to, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, it uh, I did it all together. 
<laughs> um, I was th- we're telling Mark here is that the last month, um, actually more than a month, and more even month. even leading up to almost the beginning of the podcast, we've we've had these threads of of uh, either HP Lovecraft or Cthulhu uh, mythos sneaking into the podcast or or being part of the podcast as as, as guest, and um, that's one of them. We we just uh, interviewed uh, Mike Shea about Miskatonic High and and his very first um, issue of that series. They the there is a Set of kids, kind of like the Breakfast Club, that travel uh-huh. travel in time and, and end up in that in that city. In that city, in <laughs> Othar. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, in the story of the house, of the ocelot. In that particular story, and that's also the name of the book in which one can find that story, along uh-huh. with a lot of other stories. We find out that what the house of the ocelot is is that in Chicago, in a trendy part of Chicago, I don't say where, but I'm thinking like Clark Street in it's Chicago. It's all trendy. Trendy. Well, it's all Chicago. It's all trendy. You know. Yeah, yeah. In a trendy part of Chicago, there's a house of black brick, trimmed with purple, and but but the windows are painted black on the inside, Ooh. and it's like people go by it and they're curious. They're like, "Well, what is that? What is this mm-hmm. house?" And sometimes they may or may not notice that there's a little copper plate over the front door that says "The House of the Ocelot," mm. and what we find out. And, and and there's also a coffee coffee shop across the street, and this, it's the story of a barista who comes mildly obsessed with the house. He's kind of like because he notices sometimes that people will come out and they're wearing huge hoodies, mm-hmm. and they'll do things around the house, which is behind the fence. And then they'll go back in the house, and even though it's summer, they won't drop the hoodie. You know, it's kind of like keeping it on, keeping that hoodie on. It's like, well, what are they? Who are those people? I want to know. And so. He'll put coupons in the in the letter slot saying, <laughs> saying you know, he'll go up to the house, put coupons in the letter house, letter slot thing. Um, uh, get a free latte with this coupon because he thinks, well, eventually one of them's got to come over for a free latte, and so that of doesn't course. work. And free cookie, free cookie, and so, so finally, um, until finally one day he happens to go up to the house when the door is opening for one of the people in the hoodies to come out. And that's when he has his adventure because he just does find out what's going on in the house of the ocelot. And at some point he does get to go down, descend the steps that lead past the gates of slumber and go into the realm of Ulthar where there is a temple to down there and where he meets his ultimate fate. Oh God. No. So, it's a, so he, he has some fun, but fun <laughs> doesn't last forever. Especially it's not in, in a Lovecraftian adventure, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's one of the, that's one of the short stories in in that book, right? In the House of the Ocelot, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, like I said, and it's, with the companion vol- the companion volumes, horrors and abos- abominations, and it was a little, <laughs> a little Porky Pig there for a second. Horrors <laughs> and ab- 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 abominations. <laughs> that's all, folks. <laughs> horrors and abominations, and the House of the Ocelot. I've I've always been drawn more to short stories oh, yeah. than than uh, let's say like like full out novels. Even though I like reading full out novels, especially more now because of uh, just uh, so much work and school stuff to do. Mm-hmm. But I but there's also that satisfaction of just sitting down and just going on through a, just a, a a novel that that um, I feel like oh wow I actually had time to relax that I can actually read this <laughs> read the whole thing. Yeah, now so, pretty hard to write. But I have do have two novels. Um, the the first one that 
and both of them I co-wrote with um, another collaborator. I have two Michaels for collaborators. I got Michael two Sheehan, Michaels. Two Michael. I, I, I know. I know like about like seventeen thousand five hundred twenty-three people named Michael. Oh my god! <laughs> a, a lot of Michaels. I actually over the years have written stories with like, and this is no lie. I've actually written stories like with five or six guys named Michael. So <laughs> the, the, the one who I've written the most stories with is Michael Sheehan Jr. Though. Because he's the he, of all those collaborators, he was the only one who had a real um, strong interest in Lovecraft, such as myself. Uh-huh. And let's see, but the two guys, the, the Michael who I've written novels with is Mike McCarty, mm-hmm. and with him I had a novel out, and it's been it's been out for quite a while, and it's been put out by two different publishers. Now it's currently not being published by anybody, and that one was called Monster Behind the Wheel. So we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with it now since. Um, now it's available again for the for the world, Monster Beyond the Wheel. And and the, the other one, which just came out and is on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback form, is Apocalypse America. That's the one that I found on Kindle Unlimited. So if you do mm-hmm. have Kindle Unlimited. Oh, yeah, it's on Kindle Un- Unlimited. Yeah, you and it's a read. novel, and it's about... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Came on, considering that the title is about is called Apocalypse America, uh-huh. it's not about you know it's not about jazz in the 1920s, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointment. It's called Apocalypse America, and it's about the jazz era in uh, Charleston. Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. It's about obviously a post-apocalyptic America where America has been mostly destroyed by the Machiavelli nations of the internet witches. The internet witches. Internet I, I actually uh, did read a couple pages uh, of that one. They didn't get, they didn't get to um, read too much of it, but I did get to the internet witches. <laughs> well, and it's funny. We did a uh, last, last night, Mike, uh, Mike McCarty and Michael Sheehan Jr. And I, we all did a signing at a place in local place called Igor's Bistro. Mm-hmm. They were it's a Halloween themed restaurant and they had their halfway to Halloween party. It was yeah, also the owner's the owner's um birthday too. And we had a blast last night, sold a lot of books. And it was very funny that <laughs> it was so funny. And at one point somebody was just looking at a copy of Apocalypse America and they read the book and then they looked up at me and said, Internet witches <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. I need to know. I know, as if to say, is there such a thing? And I said, yes, internet witches. Because see, here's the, as we say in the book, you see, I've been writing about internet witches for like about 10 years. That's my little invention, the internet witches, and I put them in the book. Um, they told me to because, you know, they're being internet witches and all. And see, the thing about internet witches is witches always want to go to the frontier because the frontier has no laws yet. Okay. You know, witches don't like law. So they always want to be where there's where they haven't figured out the law yet so they can do whatever the hell they want. What with them being witches and all. And so <laughs> these particular witches, the internet witches, um, gravitated from our earthly plane into the cyber world because they were like, well, we like this. <laughs> there's no law here. We can do what we want. And basically they decided that they – they instigate a plan to destroy the world so that ultimately their plan is to to make all life on earth digital Mm. 
and leave just enough flesh and blood humans to maintain the digital world until ah. they can figure out how to get robots to completely control the digital world. So we don't even need flesh and blood humans because in their perfect vision, all life should be digital. But then, so but then what we have here, so they do destroy, destroy most of civilization, but they, they do leave a, not knowing, they leave a, among other different little outposts of weird people who have been left behind after the destruction of most, most of, but not all civilization, they leave a young nomad named Cain, who along the way, bumblingly trying to do things on the internet, he accidentally downloads one of the witches. Oh, and downloadable? Yeah, they're downloadable. Yes. Oh. Well, like all digital things, they're downloadable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she likes being flesh and blood. And after a while, she's like, you know, for a long time, she's like, put me back, upload me, I'll die. And he's like, no, you, you're okay, you're not going to die. You seem very healthy. You're, you're like, and you're beautiful, too. And she goes, I don't even know what I look like. And then she sees herself and she's like, oh, this doesn't displease me. You know, and she's kind of realizing that and at some point she says that a digital life, it lasts forever and there's no illness and there's no pain and it's everything is easy, but it's not really living. Mm. It's not really being alive. She says it's only like one-tenth of the experience of so they've traded mortality and the weaknesses of the flesh for <laughs> the pleasures of the, the flesh and, I mean, a, a shorter life, but a far more enjoyable life. And at some point she realizes, I'd rather be a month as a human than 10,000 years as a digital thing. <laughs> and so, and then she works to try to restore real life to the digital people and and that's our apocalypse America. It's, it's the fight between creatures that want to be digital against creatures that still want to just, no, let's, let's be flesh and blood. It's in the end, it's much more enriching and rewarding. So. So I want to ask you in the beginning of the, of that book, there is this ritual that, that all women must face, right? right. Uh, how did, how did that, um, I guess, ritual come about? How did you come up with that, that little uh, ritual? Oh, basically, because those elements of the civilization that still remain, mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out, as new people are born into it, they, they've kind of lost all the old ways, and they have snatches of Bible here and there, and they try to figure out the right and wrong way to do things, and, and that was one of the wrong ways. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, for some reason they, just, they decided to follow that particular ritual, and, and that's another part of it, that it's kind of like, that that unfortunately because every time there's there, people are in crisis there will be there'll be two kinds of people who will reach out to the people in crisis there will be people with a missionary stance who is like let me take your hand and guide you towards how your life should be and unfortunately there will be opportunists who will be like let me take your hand and lead you down the primrose path to hell <laughs> and and that's a case where also they were being the, the some of the stragglers of civilization were being led to hell by opportunists and so basically it's just about them all trying to figure out how to get life back on track after the after the schemes of the internet which is have torn everything to shreds 
Apocalypse, um, Apocalypse America was released earlier this year. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. okay. And that one. Uh, and I'm very disappointed one... in Hollywood because they have not opted it for a movie. <laughs> they're not jumping. They're not jumping on this. Like they're not Hollywood. Oh. Are you listening? He's I mean, knocking on the door. This, this is hot property here. Come on now, Hollywood. Get on the stick here, Hollywood. You know, they got movie. all these stars starring in remakes of every movie that's out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're making remakes of movies that they made last week, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think we better reboot that Boots Booksmart movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just just a week old. Yeah. I think it's time for a reboot, you know? you know, And they're rebooting all these movies that, like, um, I mean – it's so, it's so funny. All the time I'm talking to my friend, Michael Sheehan Jr., and he'll talk about, you know, do you th- what do you think would be the next movie they're ever going to re- reboot? And he'll think, what do you about? I remember there was a time when he once said, you ever think they'll reboot that plant, those old Planet of the Apes movies? Yeah. I was like, nah, that old yeah. crap. <laughs> oh, monkey movies? Nah, they're not going to reboot that crap. And, that you know, they've been rebooting it and making millions off it. Shows what I know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as a, but they, you know they're gonna if they're gonna, I I challenge Hollywood, instead of rebooting something, just you know just take a moment, maybe work on something new, and don't reboot it, just boot. You know, I think the, the biggest the, part the, now is uh, Netflix and Hulu and all of them. They're the ones that are starting to pick up these IPs that are that are yeah. lesser known and and making either series or movies off them. Yeah, they better get to it. I'm getting him. Dad is getting impatient. Get to it. Come on now. <laughs> bring us, bring us the fresh newness. Yeah, I'm. I'm like tapping my wristwatch and going TikTok, and then I'm realizing <laughs> who wears a wristwatch anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny. I actually people- saw something with a wristwatch the other day, and I was amused because it's like every device on Earth has a watch on it. You don't need a wristwatch. It's true. Uh- I have a wristwatch, but I only use it for when I when I go out, just as a, an accessory more than anything. Oh. Uh, I, I think the battery went out already on it. I don't even look at it anyway. So <laughs> you haven't used it in that long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so once the once uh, the power grid goes off, we're gonna be lost. We're not gonna know what day it is or what hour it is. Sundials. There you go. Was it? Yeah, that. Well, that's why I like the summit. And I always make sure there's always print editions of books too. Eventually, you know, yeah, because it's kind of like, yeah, what if there was a, like a major solar pulse and and all electronic things were erased, whoop, just and, like that, yeah, yeah. And then it's like people like looking at their Kindle; it's all black screen. What? So you know, so I'm covered with both contingencies. You know, I'm covered if the internet, internet witches take over and we all become digital, or if uh, a solar pulse destroys all the all digital information and people need to like go back to books again. There you yeah. Go. I mean, there's something about just having the physical, the physical copy. I, I, I have to rely on digital right now because of just limited space. What I have right now. But if, mm-hmm. if I could, I would, I would prefer a digital, I mean, I, I mean a physical copy, uh, paperback or hard, hard cover. So, yeah. I don't have, most of my books, like, yeah, all my books right now, there are no hardcover copies. They're all paperback. Because I don't know. I'm kind of seeing that people aren't really into the the hardcovers. So they're not as, uh, they're not as collector um, what's it called, oriented as they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like 
because uh, you know I've been around a while, like I said, um, and I have actually I have a lot of books that are out on hardcover, but most and, and some collector's editions of some of my books are older books that are on hardcover. But those kind of options and offers from publishers have not been forthcoming lately because I don't think people get. I think people are drifting away from from book publishing hardcovers as collectibles. I think people aren't really thinking about. Although it is kind of nice, though, when I see some of my older hardcover books mm -hmm. out there in the world, and somebody, not me, but somebody, is out there on Amazon trying to sell a copy for, like, $600 or something. <laughs> like, damn. Well, good luck, son, trying to get that kind of money. Is it, is it leather-bound? Uh, well, yeah, they're, they're like hardcovers. You know? Well, oh, not man. leather, but, you know, oh, that's what you ram or whatever you call it, the, 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 the old stuff. The, the, what they were, they were like cardboard with, covered with cloth kind of thing. Uh, okay, that's okay. what most hardcovers are, you know. You need my, to get that leather. leather with the face on it. Yeah, that's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be my ultimate book someday that I'll have, make instructions for my face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> author face. To be on one ultimate collector's edition of you know, maybe like the like an expanded edition of, <laughs> of Horrors and Abominations, where it'll be both Horrors and Abominations and the House of the Ocelot in one big uh, hardcover book with my face on the front and Michael Sheehan Jr.'s face on the back. Another maybe the, uh, maybe the cat's face on the side because <laughs> you know because I also have a cat. So you know. another thing I was able to uh, to get a read at was uh, the Gateway to Carcosa. Kir Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. The gateway to Carcosa. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I I, I can tell that's uh, uh, Lovecraft's uh, of theme uh, mm -hmm. right away. But um, where did uh, where did that come from? Where did where did the inspiration for that story come from? Oh well, you know what the King in Yellow is, right? I do not. Okay. Tell us. <laughs> Lovecraft, you know, Lovecraft had his Necronomicon. Mm -hmm. But the ne Necronomicon was inspired, I think it was inspired, by an, a, a writer who was a little earlier than him named Robert W. Chambers, who had a series of stories about a evil, wicked, toxic book, toxic book called um, The King in Yellow. And the name of the book was The King in Yellow, where he wrote about a book mm -hmm. called The King in Yellow. <laughs> and if you read The King in Yellow, you went insane. And oh. And it's about a myth, a myth, mystical and mythological city called Carcosa, inhabited by, um, among them, a noble woman named Casilda. And if you read The King in Carcosa, it, it was written so beautifully that you'll go insane because the book it's a book-length play. And once you read the second act, you'll go insane. It's quite a high meta concept, actually, for a book that was like written like in the in the in written before Lovecraft, you know. And mm -hmm. and so and the weird thing and the weird thing about it is the guy who wrote that book Robert W Chambers, he usually wrote about st stories about like about like models and their romances with their photographers and they, he wrote like kind of chick flick stuff <laughs> and said so, and then the Hallmark so, yeah he wrote kind of like Hallmark movies of the day you know nice. <laughs> <laughs> he did I mean they were all like romantic frothy little like. Hmm. Will Sally really go out with that photographer or not? You know, and um, and then suddenly one day he just decided, you know, like he was possessed by a, a trans-dimensional creature or something. He just decided, mm, shall I write about Sally and her romance with the photographer, 
Or shall I write about the king in Carcosa who sits in the ivory castle in the lake of Holly in the city of Carcosa? Oh. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Off the rails he went. <laughs> he did. You know, and he wrote that book. And and Lovecraft was just entranced by it. And he incorporated all those elements and just incorporated it into his mythos. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is part of it just because Lovecraft loves it so much that he just incorporated it, elements from it, and other writers have in incorporated it too. And of course, I incorporated it as well. Um, and because it's all in the public domain anyway. So, mm -hmm. although when Lovecraft was doing it, I wonder if it was in the public domain then. I, I don't know. I don't That's think a good so. Question. I don't, I, maybe not. Eh, maybe no. he didn't care. <laughs> he was like, yeah, whatever. I'm making my own thing. Very similar, yeah. but do my own thing. <laughs> I, my tentacles are grabbing everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, think, I love I think, grabbing uh, tentacles and grabbing everything. I and think so, they were a lot more loosey-goosey back then with, uh, with copyright law and all that. I think they were, yeah. <laughs> and so they were all loosey and all goosey back then. <laughs> they put the the goosey were loose. <laughs> what? <laughs> we're sharing the same brain, dude. This is funny. <laughs> And so, and so, so basically, with the and so, I've been, every now and then I write a, a Carcosa story because I just love the idea of the king in yellow, and and that particular story, the gateway to Carcosa, is about a guy whose dad went insane and killed himself because he got to he had to he got to read a copy of the King in Yellow, and so he tracks it down to the library where the small rural library in one of Lovecraft's small towns, a Aylesbury. And he tracks down a copy there. But then he finds out that what they have there is two versions. One was a um, was a edited version for a company that tried to do a their own edition of The King in Yellow. But of course, here's the problem with trying to edit The King in Yellow. As you're editing it, you go insane. <laughs> 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 and so they have like a photostatted copy of the original and a bad copy because the editing process didn't work quite right. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately what happened is that the father read the edited copy and <sighs> it, it it misaligned him neurologically. And so <laughs> he, he went quite mad in the head. And so and so the boy tried the son, well he's not a boy, he's he's a grown man. He tries to figure out what went wrong with his dad and and along the way, he starts reading that King in Yellow. Oh, mm -hmm. crap. And he has his own little adventure, too. For example, when he's, when he's looking for the librarian, who is um, a, a dark-haired woman with a hollow, raspy voice, whose hair looks, always looks like it's wet and hanging from her head, he's like trying to follow her through the library, and then he suddenly realizes, this is just a small rural building. I've been traveling in a straight line for... 20 minutes. That can't be. <laughs> How long is this damn building? <laughs> Forever. I, I know. And so and so I did a reading of that story for for my little mini YouTube channel. What is my little YouTube channel? I think it's slash McMonstrous. I'll make sure to put that in the description of the episode. Yeah, YouTube slash yeah, YouTube slash monstrous. Yeah, and then you get and then there's a whole bunch of videos of me reading stuff and 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 I got a couple little wacky scenes like well not wacky but I mean it's just like for example well, one's just me just 
like I'm trapped in a black box and I'm like, where am I? <laughs> and it would just be every day. That's just every day. Just wandering through a black void. <laughs> where am I? Yeah. And, and so, yeah. Yeah. YouTube slash McMonstrous. And, and let's see. And I read, yeah, The Gateway to Carcosa. And I also read a story from another collection I have out called that's of non-Lovecraftian horror stories, because I write some of those, too, uh, called Empress of the Living Dead. Mm. And also a story from that called What Should I Do About That Ava Lynn? <laughs> <laughs> and I also read a Lovecraftian story called Uncle Caesar. And But although I do like What Should I Do About That Ava Lynn, because <laughs> but it's, but it's about a rural-type guy who's so worried about one of his a woman in a nearby area named Ava Lynn that he's kind of like, dude, maybe you should worry more about yourself because you're kind of obsessing over that poor lady who has no idea why. <laughs> so, but a lot of people are like that, though. They'll obsess over things that, that have nothing to do with them and then leaving the other person to say, why don't you, hey, here's a thought. Mind your own business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... So, uh, where can people find you on um, on social media and, and such? Let's see. Where can they find me? Well, okay, on YouTube, it's YouTube slash Muck Monstrous, and which is the word monstrous with an M C in front of it, mm -hmm. and on and on Facebook, I am Mark McLaughlin Media, which is just. Facebook.com slash Mark McLaughlin Media, just one big word. Mark McLaughlin Media. And oh, and finally, they can go to my website, bmoviemonster.com. That's actually where I, where I found the uh, the short story right. on there uh, to read. Right. And uh, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and make sure to put that all in the in the description of this episode. Make sure people can find you. And um, also I'll put a link to the to the, the couple of books that we talked about here on Amazon. Yeah. And um, like I said, some of those are available on, on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have Kindle Kindle Unlimited, or subscribe to that to that to that. You'll be able to go ahead and, and get those um, get those books um, included in your in your subscription already. Yes. Uh, Mark, it was it was a it was a blast talking. Do you have anything else you want to add? Did we forget anything? In the words of Bob Barker, be sure to spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> <laughs> the cat would be like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> you were on my side?" Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Dead. Well, it was it was a it was a it was a, a pleasure speaking with you today, Mark. Yeah, and when you get all this all wrapped wrapped together, be sure to send me a link, and I'll put that out into into the world. We sure we all sure my media channels oh, and yeah. into the transdimensional void as well. Into and, the void. And yes. when that new book comes out or the new story comes out, let, let us know. We'll make sure to put that in in the description. Yeah, I already made a note to send you that link once it's out. Awesome. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for for joining us here today, and uh, keep us in touch whenever you release a new story. Um, and We'll we'll make sure to go ahead and, and plug that and make sure that people uh, come back and, and listen to this this interview. Awesome, and thank you both so much. I enjoyed talking with you. It was our pleasure. I want to go ahead and uh, once again thank Mark and thank you every one of you all for for tuning in to this episode. Thank you guys, and we'll see you guys next time. Uh, bye bye. Bye. 
Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.